morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you decide to roll out of bed, we're your hosts, Kristen Hoyles and Sarah Yako. And welcome to our podcast, Waking Up with Millennials. This week, Kristen has a conversation with Stephanie Zellers Kratimenos. Stephanie is an account manager, stay-at-home mom, and co-founder of a new startup called Hella Hangers. So Kristen, what about Stephanie's journey intrigued you? So I've known Stephanie since tennis camps in elementary school. So our friendship has continued to grow even after graduating high school. I remember her and her, at the time, boyfriend Tasso when they started dating. They have since been married and have two small children. From the outside, it looked like she was pretty free from hardship. She graduated from Indiana University in criminal justice, was working in Chicago as an account manager with plans of going to law school. And then eventually she really started to sink into motherhood and wearing that role seamlessly and easily. But that wasn't the case. Stephanie, like so many eager moms, experienced pregnancy loss. Now, neither of us, Sarah, are mothers, nor are we on our way to being one anytime soon. But Stephanie's story illuminates how you can never really know what someone else is going through. So let's listen in. My name is Stephanie Zellers Kretimenos. I'm a full-time mom. I'm a wife. I'm also the co-founder of Hella Hangers and also a part-time account manager for a software company. So I'm a little bit busy. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, and especially during COVID, but you were a stay-at-home mom and working from home before COVID hit, correct? Yeah. So working from home was nothing new to me, actually. You know, it was more of my husband working from home that was, oh boy, (laughs) we need to readjust (laughs) this life here. (laughs) Having one more person at home. Yeah, that's got to be a lot. And so let's maybe dive into a little bit of your backstory. When you were a little kid, what did Stephanie want to be when she grew up? (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I think at one point I wanted to be a dog (laughs) when we would play house with my family. That's always what I would the role I would choose. So. Oh my gosh, that's so you too. Like I totally see little Stephanie saying that that's and being super serious about it. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's like, I want to be the teacher. I want to be the student. And I'm like, oh, can I just be the dog? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I knew that I, I loved always helping people. I'm not really sure. I know that growing up, I have people in my family that are in the medical field and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, maybe I should go that route. So yeah, in high school, in college, I started out thinking I wanted to go into nursing. It's just how I thought I was going to end up. But, you know, obviously plans change. (laughs) You have no idea what you're going to (laughs) do. Yeah. And especially like starting from like a framework of just wanting, like you want to just help and assist people. It's sometimes hard to navigate like, well, in what ways do I want to help people? And, and you were kind of a jack of all trades too. Like, I think you're kind of similar to me where we're pretty decent in every area in school. Yeah. So it was kind of hard to pinpoint like, well, where do I channel, channel my brain power? Yeah. I wish that, you know, schooling kind of repaired. I, at least I didn't really, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had to pick something going into college, which really wasn't true at all, but that's just kind of how sometimes you're made to feel. But yeah. So I thought, you know, let me just do something. I know I can help people and make a difference and then I'll try that. (laughs) 
that quickly changed though. Yeah. <laughs> Once I started getting into it and I started taking, you know, the nursing classes and everything, I realized I'm just not really interested in it. I actually got a job working at a hospital because I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm just not interested in the classes. Maybe, you know, once I get hands on, I'll, I'll feel better about my choice. <laughs> yeah, I did not feel better at all. I actually felt worse. Um, oh, no. I loved the helping people aspect of it. It's just the people that I worked with seemed to be very miserable with their lives. And I just kind of thought, I don't want to grow up and be miserable. You know, I want to grow up and do something that I like doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. From working in the short time that I've worked in some medical facilities, it did seem like a lot of the nurses are just kind of like, they kind of have like a dark sense of humor and they kind of have to. And yeah. They just, you can tell that they're just ran into the ground with the amount of work they have to do and paperwork that when I tried nursing, I, it's like the more you get into it, the further I got into it, I was just like, no, this isn't it. Yeah. This is just not me at all. <laughs> it, I'm glad that I got my hands on into it though, because if I didn't, I feel like I just would have kept telling myself like, oh, you just don't enjoy the classes, you know, just mm -hmm. keep going. <laughs> so I am glad that I did realize, you know, at a certain point when I did figure it out, I said, all right, let me, let me take some other classes in college, figure out what I am going to enjoy and go from there. So yeah, I started taking, you know, all these random classes. I actually took <laughs> the next semester. I took a class on serial killers oh, and a law nice. class. The okay. Serial Killers class was amazing, though. Like, I really recommend that for anyone that has a chance. <laughs> it's so interesting. And I was like that with my law class, too. Like, I really could not wait to to learn more. And to, I, I really enjoyed studying. And, and I just think that's really important. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I was. I ended up graduating with a bachelor's in criminal justice. But, yeah, I just loved everything about about all the courses that I had to take with it and everything. It was just, it was just good for me. <laughs> As you, like after you graduated, at this point, you and Tasso were together for what, eight years? Yeah, it was like seven years. Yeah. We both graduated in 2012 in May and we got married in October of that year. So we didn't really waste much time at all after that. <laughs> yeah. We said, let's just, you know, get married and start a life. And uh, we moved out to Illinois. We were like, all right, we're going to stay out here. And that's what's going to happen. Um, he got a job out in Illinois. That's why we moved out there. And then I looked for jobs out there as well. I ended up getting a job in a with a software company, which was not anything like I thought I would be doing. But at the time, you know, I really just wanted to work. I didn't really care at the time, you know, too much yeah, that's about what I was doing. I was, I didn't want to sit at home all day and be bored. And so I thought, you know, let me get a job and I'll, I'll figure out, you know, from there what I want to do. So you and your husband Tasso are settled in Illinois. I imagine your twenties, like a lot of us have been pr pretty turbulent. And yeah. so like, at what point was a pivotal moment in your journey and sort of what challenges were you faced with? Yeah. So in college, once I figured out I, I loved the criminal justice background and everything like that, 
I really set my mind on becoming an attorney. I thought like I would be great at that. I still can help people. I'm doing something that I'm interested in. That would be great. So I'll go to law school one day. (laughs) Obviously it didn't happen right away. We did want to get ourselves kind of settled down in, in a good position before me going back to school or anything like that. But in 2015, I said, you know what, let me go ahead and just figure out if I even can get into law school. Let me just take one step at a time. So in 2015, I uh, took the LSATs. I did pretty well on them, better than I expected because I had been out of school for so long. And, you know, when you don't study, when you don't take tests, it's it's a lot more stressful <laughs> when you do take a test and especially one so important. But I did, I did pretty well on them. And then I applied to three local law schools in the area. I just said, you know, let me just see what happens. And again, just take it a step, one step at a time. I don't want to, you know, get my hopes up. I don't want to get ahead of myself at all. But I did get into the ones that I applied to. So I was, oh, great, great. Now I got to make decisions. Now, now our life is really like we really have to decide, like, where do we want to live? You know, we're just going to need a little bit more, you know, support. So I ended up thinking, all right, I'm going to go to Valpo Law. It's close to our families. We would have a good support system. We were, you know, obviously it's, I remember Tasso going to, you know, the orientation at the law school with me, just so I can kind of like see what it's like and just kind of get a feel for it and everything and, and be a little bit more comfortable. So yeah, it definitely was setting in that, you know, this is really happening. Like my dream of becoming an attorney is finally going to (laughs) happen. So I was getting ready to put my tuition deposit down at Valpo Law and I unexpectedly found out I was pregnant, um, which is another dream that we both had of becoming parents. So it was exciting. I mean, surprising at the time, but still very exciting. We were, you know, we had been trying for a while. So we thought, you know, well, if I go to law school, obviously we won't keep trying to get pregnant or anything. Um, so this happened at <laughs> like crazy timing. Who would have thought? So yeah, my mind was switching again. I was like, okay, well, I have to notify Valpo Law that I won't be attending them. I turned down scholarships and I was just, you know, we were getting ready to become parents. We just kind of, our minds just switched over. You just, you know, we kind of have to realize your life's going to be changing a little bit more. <laughs> So we were really excited for that. You know, we hadn't told too many people. We we did tell, you know, our family, our close friends. And I know our families, I think, ended up telling other people, you know, it's like they can't keep their mouth shut. So it's just they're excited. Everyone's happy. But I did want to focus on being a mother. That was something I was really excited to do. I was just starting to kind of accept the fact that that everything was was changing from from going back to school to becoming a mom. I did have a miscarriage. It was difficult to say the least because I was, you know, losing a child, which is devastating. But then, you know, also realizing like I just kind of am getting past, you know, not my dream of becoming an attorney being gone now. And I'm completely out of that mindset of, of going to law school anymore. So yeah, I was just focused on starting a family. So yeah, it was, it was devastating, but it was just something that, you know, I had a really good support system. So I'm, I'm glad that I had those people. Yeah. After I'm so, I'm so sorry, Stephanie, that that happened, especially the timing of everything. 
Yeah. I do remember you telling me about your miscarriage, but I, I did not know that you had known you were pregnant before you had miscarried. Um, I remember you telling me that you went to the doctor and he found out that you had miscarried and you didn't know you were pregnant. Was that sort of a way to sort of protect this like very precious and vulnerable moment? Yeah, it was really hard for me because when I did find out that I miscarried, I was, I was devastated. I kept blaming myself. I thought like, what did I do wrong? I kept going through the things. I even one day thought like, maybe I like was too close to like some machinery or something, you know, what did I do wrong? I just kept blaming myself. And, And I remember my doctor telling me like, Hey, it's best to have a surgery to, to kind of remove everything from your body, you know, so that way there's no kind of risk for infection or anything like that, whatever it may be. And I just remember telling him like, no, I I don't think this is really happening. Like, I still don't believe it. There's no way that this is, is actually happening. And I, um, I ended up actually calling my mom and telling her, like, I'm not having the surgery. Like, I can't do it. I can't go through it. This, I get, I just don't feel like this is real. And her just kind of telling me like, Hey, you know, it's just kind of better to accept it, not even accept it, but just, it will be easier to not have to go through that naturally, I guess, you know, to kind of, kind of move on with the grief process without kind of prolonging that. And so what what was that grief process like for you? Did you find support from your family, from friends? Did you seek out any sort of therapy or support group in order to to help you through a a life altering, mindset altering moment and time in your life? Actually, not really. It's hard to think back to that time because now I'm so much, I feel like I'm more mature in a way of how I handle situations, but I really just shut down. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I know I told, you know, my family and my close friends what happened. And that was pretty much it because I just didn't want to I didn't want to feel guilty about that loss because I still was blaming myself for it. So I just, you know, kind of told everyone what had happened and also just kind of ended it with, I really just don't want to talk about it, but this is what happened. And then just kind of just don't talk to me about it anymore, which I don't think is healthy, but is what happened at the time. And yeah, I, I remember knowing in my mind, I was going to have to answer questions because a lot of people in my life did know that I was getting ready to go to law school, but had no idea why I was not going to law school anymore. So I think trying to kind of navigate telling people, I remember telling people, yeah, I'm not going anymore because we've decided we want to start a family and negative comments from people. Oh, you need to focus on yourself. You need to follow your dreams. And I just didn't want to talk about it. Oh <laughs> like this is not your business at all. And even people that did know what I was going through, sitting there and telling me, you, you can, you can start a family anytime. It doesn't matter. You, you got to go to law school now. And it was just, really difficult to try to yeah with all these comments coming from people it was really difficult yeah 
And you yeah. just, you'd never know what someone is processing with that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, I know, I, I know like pretty much everyone's heard like the, the phrase, you never know what someone is going through, you know, be kind to others. But I don't think I ever really truly knew what that meant until I went through that. I don't think I ever really truly know, like knew, okay, well, don't, don't ask questions that may be inappropriate because you really don't know what someone is going through. Mm. You know, think about what you're asking them. Think about, is this really any of your business? Um, so, so yeah. And then how did you move from this really difficult emotional toll that happened to your, to you, to Tasso, to, to your family? And how did you persevere? Because now you do have some little ones running around. Yeah. Oh boy, they're so. crazy. <laughs> they're so <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> but um, how yeah, it, did you process the emotion? And even just in getting pregnant again, like what were some of your feelings going into your second pregnancy? Yeah. So it took, it took exactly two years to get pregnant again. I think it was really just the stress from me. You know, I, when you put so much focus on something, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. So I did finally get pregnant with my now three-year-old daughter. (laughs) It was difficult. I remember when I found out I'm supposed to be excited. I'm supposed to be, you know, really like jumping for joy. And, and as excited as I really was, I was terrified i was like cautiously excited and don't get your hopes up about this because what if you go through this again you know the last my first pregnancy i remember i told my parents by buying them t-shirts that said like grandma and grandpa and i'm like you know don't do that don't buy anything don't jinx this don't do anything that you know might mess this up (laughs) so every little step that i took i was second guessing like Am I walking too much? Like dumb questions. Like what? Like that can't do anything to you. But in my mind, I kept thinking like, what if I do something to mess it up? I did get pretty sick with my daughter. So it was even more stressful. Um, I was in and out of the hospital for the first like for trimester because I just was so sick. She was healthy as could be though. <laughs> but, so I, I don't think I ever really accepted the fact that she was going to be coming home with me until she was born. I don't think I really let that set in until until she was like in my arms and I was like, okay, she's here. Like I don't now I have to protect her in a whole new way. But I mean it's like okay, I really like she's here. She's really here. Like this is really happening now. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. she's crazy. (laughs) It really like I the I mean, I, I'm not a therapist or a doctor or anyone who can diagnose someone, but there's sort of like this post-stress that you were feeling to the point where you didn't feel like you could fully enjoy your second pregnancy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Like, you know, you see all these people, I know plenty of people and I know plenty of people that have gone through what I went through. Um, but I also know people that haven't and just kind of that almost jealousy in a way of just seeing them kind of enjoy it carefree like I know that they're probably stressing but in a different way at least yeah yeah and then once you were pregnant again with 
your first daughter, your first child. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did you feel supported? How was your family during that time? Yeah, everyone was pretty great. I have a very supportive family, which is great. And even supportive in-laws, you know, my close friends, anyone that I can really talk to. I don't really remember talking to anyone except um, my husband about, you know, how I might be feeling. I remember, you know, the first time I had to go to the hospital during that pregnancy and I just like pure fear. Like I just, I had to sit in the waiting room for a couple hours and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like this, I remember going up to the receptionist and being like, I'm please like, can someone make sure my child is okay? Like I like the stress of that cannot be healthy. So yeah, it was, it's a lot, but I, I did have, you know, at least a good support system that I knew I could rely on, which was helpful. What is something that you would want to say in regards to the stigma surrounding miscarriages and pregnancy? Yeah, that stigma is horrible. You know, when I got pregnant the first time, I, I was kind of more lax about who I was telling, you know, I didn't tell a whole lot of people, but I wasn't really keeping it like a secret. And I remember getting pregnant the second time and having someone not in my immediate family, but in my family tell me, you can't tell anyone until you're, you're out of your first trimester. And I'm thinking in my head, like, why? Like, what does that matter? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe you wouldn't have to explain that to more people. And I understand that, but like, whose business is that really you shouldn't be going around telling people when they can get excited about their pregnancy, when they can share that news with other people, you know, that's completely up to, to the mother, but you know, there's just also this like hush, hush, you shouldn't talk about it. Kind of making women feel like, like ashamed if they have a miscarriage when really there's nothing that you can do about it. I, okay. That's a, a completely different take that I didn't even realize that I was holding that, that idea in my head as well as this idea that you're not supposed to say if you're pregnant until after your first trimester. And like, I'm thinking that in promoting that it's like, oh, well then people won't have to tell people if they have a miscarriage. And what I love about what you just said, it's like, No, you should be free to tell people at any point whenever you feel comfortable sharing that because there should not even be a stigma if you do miscarry. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I remember when when that person said that to me, I was like, well, am I supposed to be ashamed because I already had a miscarriage? Like, what if I have another one? Are people going to think differently? I'm, you know, it's just like, you know, I mean, it's, it should really be left up to the mother when she feels comfortable. Maybe she never wants to tell someone that she's pregnant. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, I remember telling, you know, a select few within a couple hours of me finding out because I just, I wanted to share that excitement with other people. So it's important. (laughs) So with your support system, now that you have your baby girl, how has that support system continued to support you as a new mom? Yeah. So, well, Tassel and I knew always that we wanted more than one. I think he's wanted like four or five, but I really just wanted two kids. <laughs> I grew up with a sibling and he has three siblings. So I, I don't think either of us could imagine having an only child. 
had that been the case, maybe we could only have one. That would have been fine. But we really did want to try to have more children. So about a year after I had my daughter, we found out that we were pregnant again. And we were, of course, excited, nervous, because that meant we were going to have two children under the age of two. But um, nonetheless excited. I remember coming up with like a little nickname for the baby with my family and we called him Bebop. I don't know really even where that came from now, but that's just what we referred to the child. So when we knew which baby we were talking about, you know, I already had a one-year-old, so we had to think of something else to call this child. So yeah, I remember, of course, having those nerves and okay, well, I have to make sure I'm doing everything correctly. And after that first ultrasound where you see the baby and you see, which is like a little speck, by the way, but then you see that little like flicker of a heartbeat is the biggest like relief. You can finally breathe a little bit better. You're still going to be nervous, but you can just, you just feel better knowing that that baby is doing great. I mean, once you see the heartbeat, the chances of a miscarriage decreased significantly. So I was so excited. I had seen another ultrasound. And then about two weeks later, I was showing signs of a miscarriage. I was almost 12 weeks pregnant. I was almost out of my first trimester at this point. Um, I remember just kind of knowing in my gut that something wasn't right, but not really letting my head get there at that point. But I I do remember calling my husband home from work and just telling him, you know, if you can just meet me at the hospital. And I think, I mean, even just telling from his voice that he, we both kind of knew what was going to be happening, but neither of us really wanted to accept that. So I got there and my husband met me there. They took me back um, for an ultrasound and ultrasound techs aren't supposed to show any kind of, you know, like they're not supposed to be the ones to tell you anything, but I've been in this position before. Like I already know if when things are good, you know, they will sneak a picture to you. They will, you know, let you kind of know. And I knew when this ultrasound tech was not saying anything that it wasn't good. So the doctor did come back and tell me that I did have a miscarriage the heartbeat had stopped and that, you know, I should just kind of expect to hear from my my regular doctor about the next steps from there so how how did you process your your second miscarriage now like I mean the first miscarriage took a huge huge toll but the second one as well and I'm sure at the time it may have felt like it was confirming a lot of your fears yeah like how how did you then process this now second miscarriage? It was difficult. Oh, that was, that's an understatement. It was, it was really hard to, to accept that because I had just seen the baby and the heartbeat. So it was, it was kind of difficult for me to understand how this was even happening. And because I was so far into, I'm not, I wasn't that far into it, but I was almost into my second trimester. So, you know, Everyone always tells you, you know, by this week and this week, you are so far out of, you know, the miscarriage zone. You shouldn't have to worry, you know, as long as you're feeling great. And I was really feeling pretty wonderful. But I remember going to the doctor and them telling me about 
well, of course they were very, you know, consoling and asking me how I was doing. And I think they could just kind of tell I wasn't, I wasn't doing great. They did give me information on a support group in the area, women who have also gone through similar situations because I, at the time at least, did not know of really anyone that had gone through this. I learned that was different because, again, people just don't talk about it, which is horrible and not healthy. But it was good to discuss that with other women that had been in similar situations just to kind of make me feel like I wasn't alone. You know, I I didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing that I could have done to stop this from happening. And so what what did this grieving process, how did you and Tasso then revisit these dreams of having and growing your family? It was difficult. Again, we we knew that we wanted more kids. That was never a question. Like physically I was I was ready to have a kid, but mentally, you know, I I don't know that I was quite there yet, but we did want to keep on trying just because it had taken us so long to get to, you know, a point of, of getting pregnant that we just didn't really want to waste too much time. So, so yeah, we started trying again pretty, pretty early, actually, maybe a little earlier than I should have just for my mental health. I remember finding out that I was pregnant with my now son and Oh gosh, I want to say that I was excited and there was some excitement, but it was more like fear and, you know, how, how am I going to be if, if this happens again, am I going to want to even try again if I have another miscarriage? You know, I just kept picturing myself not wanting to keep going through this, not wanting to keep putting myself through this situation. But yeah, my son is, is amazing. That pregnancy went Pretty well. Um, and so he is sweet. thriving. He's so amazing. Oh, I love him. <laughs> and so what would you feel after going through these experiences? Your, not just your experiences with getting pregnant, but also your experiences with school, your experience as as a wife. What would you say is your calling or purpose and how do you seek purpose in your life? Yeah. So, I mean, I do think, you know, I would have been a great attorney, but I really always wanted a family. I always wanted to be a mother. My mom stayed at home with me and I always had that very tight knit family. So I always felt that was truly what I was supposed to be. That's my purpose in life is to be a mother, to raise little humans, to be happy and healthy and successful. I find I, I do need to escape it like an hour a week <laughs> just to kind of get back to where I can keep my sanity as amazing as you know, my regular life is, it is nice just to like find a hobby, you know, if the weather's nice, I'll just go on like a, a walk on the trail or something, you know, just anything to just kind of recharge and be the best mom that I possibly can be. Um, And then what sort of piece of wisdom do you think would help those navigate their turbulent 20s? And and also navigate being a first-time mom and pursuing goals of a family. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, just don't get discouraged because life probably, unfortunately, is not going to turn out how you expected. You know, I, I did not expect, well, first of all, to ever work in software because I don't really know much about, I didn't know. Now I know a little bit, (laughs) but you know, not where I expected to be. I expected to have a family, but I did not expect to go through all of the devastating situations to kind of get where I am now with the family and just kind of surround yourself with good people. As a mom, it's good to have mom friends, but it's also good to have friends, you know, that maybe I don't have to go and talk about my baby's poop with. Um, It's Mm -hmm. nice to just kind of unwind with, you know, your very single friend, (laughs) single but looking name may be Kristen. (laughs) But no, it it is just good to just kind of let yourself unwind a little bit. You know, do what makes you happy and the less of what you think will make other people happy. That is like, that has to be my new mantra for like the next five years of my life. (laughs) So much of my life has just been trying to make people around me happy as opposed to tapping into what it is that I actually want out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I know you and Tasso have been busy lately. So if there's anything, any projects, any new businesses that you're wanting to plug, by all means, plug away. Oh, boy. So as if Tasso and I aren't already busy in our lives, (laughs) we don't have enough going on. We decided we should add more. My husband started skateboarding around the same time that we met in high school. We He was about 16 years old when he started. So he's always been into skateboarding. That's what him and his friends do. I love that he has something that he goes out and does with his friends. You know, I think that's important. But he also is an engineer. His brain never stops working. <laughs> so I knew at one point in my life, we were probably going to have a business to run. And that time has come. <laughs> About a year ago, actually, we started a company called Hella Hangers. Hella Hangers are skateboard deck hangers that use adhesive strips so it doesn't damage your walls, but also isn't damaging your board at all and stuff like that. Um, I don't really know that much about skateboards, but I am helping out as much as I can with the business. <laughs> I leave him to do all the skateboard things because I... It's so cool. Like, because I mean, I of course follow Hella Hangers on social media. And just because skateboarder, skateboards always have those such cool artwork on the back and like trying to get like the curvature of the board to hang up properly on the wall. Like, it's, I feel like Hella Hangers is such an easy and such a quick fix for like a problem that I'm sure was just annoying for a lot of skateboarders out there. Yeah, yeah. Tasso alone owns, oh boy, about 150 to 200 skateboards. Oh my God. (laughs) What are you supposed to do with all those, right? (laughs) Well, I guess you hang them on all the (laughs) in our household because that's what's happening. I do like it. He switches them out once in a while, you know, and it it does take, it does take me a little bit to notice. And I think he gets kind of mad when I'm just like sitting there and not paying attention that there's new boards up in our house. And there's only like a few that I have banned from sitting on my walls because they're just so creepy, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't mind it because it's cute. You know, even the kids have like their own little skateboards hanging up in their room and it's cute. It matches like their little personalities and, And it's so easy that 
you know, he can switch it out from you know, whenever they change whatever they like. You know, uh, right now, Wes has, I don't know, some cartoon thing in there. But maybe he's into, I don't know, dinosaurs or something. Then we can put like dinosaur skateboards up. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's been fun to learn about running a business. I, I just had no idea how much work went into it. And now, now we have no free time. So it's really nice. <laughs> um, okay, so I have um, one last question. And mm-hmm. it is, what life do you dream of waking up to one day? Okay, so as as excited as I am about this age that my kids are at, I am really excited about, you know, just being a mom and just kind of having a home where everyone feels like it's safe to come home to, you know, maybe my kids, you know, well, okay, they're going to grow up and move out. But I, I just really want to build a house and like have it comfortable and and just have traditions and have my kids feel like it's safe and fun and just to come home and visit. And I, I have a lot of time until that, but I don't know, just thinking about that, it just warms my heart because yeah, I just, I've wanted nothing more for, you know, than just to have a safe environment at a, at a house where, where it's comfortable and it makes them feel all at home. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So Sarah, neither one of us have experienced pregnancy, but what are your perceptions of pregnancy and some of those preconceived notions and how were they either confirmed or challenged by Stephanie's story? Man, this is a tough one for me because I feel like unlike almost every single woman I know besides you, (laughs) like Pregnancy is not a thing I think about. I actually think that word is a super gross sounding word. Like I'm just like not <laughs> not on that level, but in terms of like, you know, things that can happen during pregnancy or how people feel, that's always been just sort of like a mystery to me. I've watched women at work who have been pregnant and like worked up until their like delivery dates and seemed to be doing pretty well. And then I feel like I've also, you know, known other women who just took their maternity leave like several months before their child was even due just because they were experiencing complications and and stuff like that. And so for me, I'm, I'm honestly just super ignorant when it comes to, you know, the whole process. Like I legit know nothing. Like Kristen, through this process, I'm actually learning that like both of us are kind of idiots <laughs> in certain ways. Like definitely yourself. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but like financially, we're both kind of idiots. Like, <laughs> and I will definitely speak for myself on like the like the mother front and the pregnancy front. Like I know shit. Like I know shit. But Stephanie's story definitely helped illuminate some tragic realizations that occur during pregnancy. And so that just makes me all the more (laughs) fearful and weary, I would say. What about you? What were some preconceived notions or conceptions that you might have had of, of pregnancy before talking with Stephanie? 
I, I, okay. So kind of similar to you. I always thought pregnancy was just like, man, that seems like the worst job. <laughs> like it sounds, it sounds horrible. Your body is just constantly changing. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm thinking about this from the framework of a single, a single woman right now, like pregnancy would kind of be devastating for me right now. So I'm definitely avoiding pregnancy and pregnancy isn't something that I want to have. But in terms of like what those preconceived notions were, like I have always looked at new moms as kind of being superheroes, like the ability to just continue working while there's like arms and legs growing inside of you is just like amazing to me. And such a visual that is so hard for me. (laughs) But Stephanie's story is really no different from that perception. But just seeing how resilient she has become, how much of an advocate she is, not just for her children, but for marginalized groups and for her community and how active she is in her community. I truly think that mothers... Like people who take that role seriously, not even just when they're pregnant, but as they're starting to take on that role of motherhood, because you can become a mother and not experience pregnancy. I think in that process, you're like almost putting on like a cape of armor and you're just like a superhero to me. So like I've always really, really admired mothers and mothers who have taken the role of motherhood seriously. Yeah, I I think, you know, there's like a difference between like me thinking about pregnancy and me thinking about motherhood for sure. And like Stephanie is a surprise. Like, I, I mean, I know Stephanie too. We went to high school together as well, but I wasn't a very close friend with her, but I didn't know that she was so involved in so many other things aside from being a stay at home mom. And I think personally I've had some like been part of the creation of stigma, I would say, of stay-at-home moms that like being a stay-at-home mom isn't like living your life to the fullest or something along those lines. And Stephanie, her story just reminds me that like, it doesn't matter if you're a mom or not, like how you want to live your life is how you want to live your life. And you can be you know, as successful in business or having a startup or even pursuing a law degree, if that's something that she did eventually want to do again in the future, you know, that's all possible. And it's not inhibited because she's a mom. And as well, there's plenty of mothers who like, they just want to be moms. And I think that is something that honestly, like I am ashamed to admit this, but it's something I've looked down upon. And it's something that Stephanie mentioned in her interview when she was talking about, you know, about to go to law school and then she finds out that she's pregnant and people were, you know, sort of looking down upon the fact that she was excited to be a mom instead of continuing to, or, you know, like she was making that transition from being a mom and decided not to continue to focus on going to law school. And there's really no reason for that. And I think, I I don't know exactly like, how to reflect this back on me, but I'm, I'm wondering, have you had similar thoughts 
or have you always just thought that like mothers are just these amazing people or like a mom who chooses just to be a stay-at-home mom and doesn't try to pursue other things outside of being a mom you know like it's just all about her kids like what do you what have you thought about that activity I guess okay so my perception of stay-at-home mothers for a long time was also negative it was very much like oh they're giving up on their lives they're literally living through their children and not continuing to live a life of their own I know that at one point I really wanted to be a mom and I like you know I was like 27 and I was like freaking out I'm like oh my gosh I'm never gonna be a mom like this is so scary I'm not dating anyone or anything and so or anything (laughs) that's weird (laughs) like I wasn't dating anyone so I just dating anyone or anything (laughs) I wasn't dating my phone at the time I wasn't you know her wasn't a thing yet her wasn't a thing I couldn't have my robot boyfriend yeah. <laughs> Although I do like, okay, this is really random, but I swear if aliens are real, I totally want an alien boyfriend. What that would the be fuck? so funny. I think that'd what? be so cute. That'd be so cute to just like have a cute little alien boyfriend. But like, how does this alien look? Like, what are you imagining? Because so, like, like, I'm thinking e. or like tentacles. I'm thinking that they are an emotionally evolved creature. They understand my emotions and they can feel my emotions, like extremely empathetic. So like Avatar. Uh, Kind of. I'm not really attracted to the blue people, but I feel like they would be, uh, I feel like they would know how to shapeshift. Are they, are they furry? Oh God. I mean, like maybe because I like a hairy man. So like (laughs) maybe that's what I'm saying. Like. If I if I'm gonna date an alien, like they might as well like be soft, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like yeah, I like squishy for sure. I like a little squish. Okay, this took- okay. This <laughs> <laughs> is off off the rails real quick. Yeah. But let's um, go back to okay. So yeah, stay at home moms. I definitely had a negative perception of being a stay at home mom. And the thing is, okay, so right now we're in the middle of. We'll, we're still in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So like we, so many people are working from home and having to make that work with their children also being at home. And so like a lot of people are stay-at-home moms, right? And mm-hmm. Stephanie, despite being a stay-at-home mom, she's also working full-time as an account manager. She's also managing a new business. And so... The idea of like what the stay-at-home mom does has one expanded, and two, I feel like I'm learning and understanding a little bit more of what that sort of sacrifice looks like. But I do hope that for for all the stay-at-home moms out there, I hope you're finding some me time. Take a nice hot bath, like light a candle, drink a glass of wine, and like celebrate you because what you do does matter. Raising your children in a way that you're excited about and that you're so involved with is important but also take some time for yourself my god yeah definitely definitely so in regards to stephanie's miscarriages which that was really really tragic to hear about i think you know going back to preconceived notions of pregnancy that's one thing i just 
it's just not on the front of my mind. That's a possibility. I'm just like generally not thinking about pregnancy. And then if I am, that's just not part of it. But the reality of the situation is that miscarriages happen all the time. I think, you know, Stephanie talks about, you know, conversations around miscarriages being alienating to some degree. And I suppose I'm just wondering, you know, if aside from the conversations with Stephanie or even the conversation that you did have with Stephanie, you know, how are you feeling about that even just being a topic of conversation? So when I first heard about Stephanie having a miscarriage, she told me in a way that could protect her emotionally while keeping me at a distance Mm -hmm. because she, the way it was explained to me was that she just went in for an appointment and that was when she both found out she was pregnant and found out that she had miscarried. And I think it was a way for her to sort of detach from that pregnancy and not acknowledge how excited she was about being pregnant. And so I, at the time, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, now you really want to be a mom. And so we were thinking of the future. And I think that's why she characterized it in that way was so that no one would dwell on the miscarriage, but be excited for her that they're going to be trying again. Mm-hmm. And I think what what I got like a little bit teary eyed when I was having this conversation with her because you you just really don't know what someone is going through. And, and like, I'm not trying to like make this all about me, but it's, it definitely has me questioning, like, in what ways was I available to her emotionally in case she wanted to disclose further with me? In what ways was I cutting myself off from her where she felt like she couldn't open up to me? And so I definitely have like some like kind of selfish feelings about that, Mm -hmm. but also just from talking with her. And then, like, looking some things up on my own, like, for example, like, according to Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital, one in five pregnancies end due to miscarriage. And it's usually in the first trimester. In most cases, a miscarriage cannot be prevented because it is the result of a chromosomal abnormality or a problem with the development of the fetus. So there's it, like a lot of times people blame the mother or and sometimes the mothers blame themselves. Like what what went wrong? What could I have done better? How could I have prevented this? But they cannot be prevented. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it and it happens and it's heartbreaking. And especially if you have your sights being a mother and you're putting in all this effort to make the conditions of your body suitable for like having children and making all of these sacrifices personally like with Stephanie like she she decided to postpone law school yeah and you know as you're saying like that it's not the fault of the mother Stephanie was talking about how she you know after her first miscarriage she was feeling like what did I do wrong did I you know is this somehow my fault and just talking about being available and open to the emotional needs of someone going through that, that type of tragedy, I think is really important to bring to the surface because I definitely, you know, again, not to make it about me either, you know, like this isn't about us, but just in terms of how an expectant mother 
that may or may not have dealt with a miscarriage in their their pursuit of motherhood. You know, it it, it really just brings to light how available we might need to be to our friends, even if they're not saying anything, even if they don't want to talk about anything. I mean, Stephanie was referring to how depressed and upset she was and, you know, just had to figure out how to push forward. But I'm sure that there were super dark times there. And she did talk about feeling alone. And while her husband Tasso is great, you know, just the the more support that can be around her, probably the better. And the less people that are judging her or making her feel like she's being judged or making her feel like she needs to try again sooner or she should wait longer. Like, I guess being open to just being that presence and that support and not trying to say anything, but just being there, you know, and I think that's, that's something that I learned from this conversation with her is don't like, if you haven't had the experience, don't try to say shit, just show up. And what I also loved about it is like, I went to both of Stephanie's, Stephanie has two children. She has a daughter, her firstborn uh, daughter and secondborn son. And I went to both of those baby showers. And what I think was something that was so beautiful about Stephanie's story is that she still celebrated moments throughout her pregnancy, despite at times the crippling fear sinking in that something may be wrong. And what I what I do know about pregnancy or what I've been told about pregnancy is that you shouldn't say that you're pregnant until after your first trimester because the chances of miscarriage typically happen in that first trimester. But what I loved about like Stephanie's response to that, it's like, no, celebrate whenever you damn well feel like it. Like it's exciting. Like you have, you're making the decision to start a family. You are making all of these decisions to help support this, this coming life. And for you to postpone that, like out of fear, all that does is add to the stigma. And I, I mean, to be honest, I never would have thought to look at it that way until she had illuminated that. Like, no, celebrate whenever you feel like it. Okay, so Kristen, just in the general context of talking about motherhood, what are some fears or concerns you might have about potentially being a mom in the future? So I just recently am warming back up to the idea of being a mom one day in the future, far off from now, not anytime soon. <laughs> um, I, I think my biggest fear is being so consumed with the lives of my children that I lose myself to it. Mm-hmm. I've always been really bad with like work-life balance or just balancing the different plates I have in my life. I'm afraid that I would just, it's not even that I would put myself second, it's that I wouldn't tend to my needs at all. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, that's always been my biggest fear. And it's like, well, if I just don't have children, then I don't have to think about them. <laughs> but <laughs> I think, but I think, I think now I, I look at it as something that will be a challenge whenever I do become a mother, if that is in my future. And I'm not so much afraid of that anymore, especially after talking to, I have a couple of moms in my life that I've spoken to about being a mom and also hearing about their own personal goals and achieving those and 
there's so much more life to be had. But even if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're and that is your full-time job is being a stay-at-home mom, there's still so many different elements that can still enrich your life outside of just your children. Yeah. But what about you? What about you, Sarah? What what are maybe some of your fears or concerns about being a mom in the future? And is motherhood something that you see for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I guess just like generally I have like similar fears to you about potentially being a mom someday is like losing who I am because I need to be focused on the needs of this other person. And it's not like, like I focus on the needs of other people in my life a lot. And when I start to feel like I'm losing myself, then I can set boundaries and find myself again. And it's just like, when I think about a child in my life, it's like, I know that I won't be able to set boundaries and be like, Hey kid, you're like messing up my sleep. You're interfering with my ability to like go for like hikes and stuff and get my nature connection. <laughs> like get out of the way, off. baby. <laughs> right. Like I'm not going to be able to say that. So, <laughs> so I, you know, there is fear and concern about that. But honestly, I think I've gotten to a place where I've admitted to myself that I'm still just in a selfish phase. And I think, you know, going through my 20s and trying to pursue a degree and then getting my first job and, you know, trying to date someone who could potentially be a future spouse. During that whole process, there was a lot of selfishness that was shown like that I was just basically a fully selfish person and a lot of the advice I was giving to other people at the time especially in relation to like finding a mate or pursuing a career was like your needs are first like you need to be selfish like this is the time to be selfish and I feel like that advice is good for when you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure shit out like you should not be putting other people before what you need for yourself because like you need to be figuring out you so you can actually know what you need for yourself but now that I'm 31, I am starting to feel like I'm ready to move towards that stage of my life. I still don't really have that desire to like have my own kid per se, but I am open to a life that's less focused on me and I'm open to what those sacrifices could potentially mean. I just haven't really had any practice with that. So I've like never had any like young children like permanently in my life to really even understand what it means to have a young person around and to cater to their needs. So I feel like I'm just like at a learning disadvantage. But aside from that, I would totally be willing to have my own kid. But I think this is another like fear or concern I have is like the person that I'm with is going to be half of the little version of me. So whoever I make a fucking baby with better be a cool fucking half. Like I like, like if I had to deal with myself small, all I'd really be dealing with is maybe like a kid who's kind of a trickster, maybe like lies a little bit. Cause I definitely like lied a little bit when I was a kid because I was like trying to do fun things and I didn't want that to be inhibited. So I'm like, no, I'm going to do this thing, but I was really doing something else. But otherwise I was a good kid. My mom told, tells me all the time that I was super easy. But I've dated some people where I was like, I could never have a kid with you because you as a small version would be fucking horrible to deal with. (laughs) 
So, you know, it's just like a lot of unknowns, but I am trying to like visualize things, I would say, hopefully in a kind of reasonable way. Like I've, I've kind of heard this advice before. It's like, you would know if you want to start a family with someone, if like, if you imagine raising that person and I basically do that all the time. And that has like helped me figure out who I may or may not want to stay in a relationship with or pursue a relationship with if I can't think about having their kid, you know, accidents happen. If I'm going to have an accident baby with this person, they better not be a total fucktard that I have to raise causing like, if we're, you know, we're both already concerned about losing ourselves. So it's not going to be any easier if we, you know, make a kid with someone who was, who is just completely destructive and a little piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I, my mentality from like age 20 definitely shifted in my early 20s because I was just dating fucking idiots <laughs> and I like the I I was just like if I had a kid with any of these people I would hate myself I would hate my kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I'm really glad that no mistakes happened um yeah no I completely agree that you really that's why I just think that once if I'm in a loving, committed relationship with somebody that I, I gel with really well, my perceptions of motherhood, I know will shift. I'm allowing myself to sort of picture what that would look like. Yeah, it's like if your dating pool has been shit up until this point, like having the idea of like, pro- like those people, like you shouldn't procreate. Sorry, but it out there. You <laughs> procreate. For real, though. I mean, Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. (laughs) So after listening to Stephanie's interview, Sarah, how do you plan on waking up differently tomorrow? As I said in the beginning, I think I was part of the creation of stigma around stay-at-home moms. And Stephanie just reminds me that your choice is your choice. And there's no reason that I should judge you. There's no reason that I should think in any way that pursuing a career or pursuing a family has it is what that one decision is better than the other your life is your own and for me to have any thoughts about that is is and has been wrong so you know just moving forward I hope to be able to carry that with me anytime I meet a mother a stay-at-home mom a working mom someone who's chosen not to have children to pursue a career you know it's all it's all your choice and it's all it's all good. What about you, Kristen? How will you wake up differently tomorrow? I think I will wake up differently by just continuing to acknowledge that you never really know what somebody is going through. You don't know the sort of weight they're carrying around with them. And, you know, you go into situations situations, and you think like, oh, they're maybe just having a bad day. But you don't really know the scope of it. And like... Stephanie had mentioned that she didn't really understand that concept until after she had experienced a miscarriage and how much she knew she was holding in that no one had any idea about. And I think just like going forward, just keeping that idea in mind, that you just, you really don't know how somebody is struggling, just offering them grace, being available. If somebody wants to open up about something and just, kind of being open to hearing it and being okay with just listening. A lot of times we don't have all the words. 
And instead of like trying to pretend like you do, it's best to just sit there with them, allow them to feel their emotions and to just just be available. But I think that's how I'll wake up differently tomorrow. You just don't know what what people are struggling with. One more thing, um, if if any of you listeners are skateboarders or have friends that are skateboarders, Stephanie and her husband Tasso have a startup company called Hella Hangers. This allows you to take the skateboard deck and actually mount it to your wall in a way that is safe for your wall. So you don't necessarily have to screw into your wall. You can just use those adhesive tapes that don't damage the paint. So you're allowed to decorate with all of the cool artwork that are found on the bottom sides of the skateboard decks. And yeah, it's called Hella Hangers. You can buy them at hellahangers.com and you can follow them on Instagram at hellahangers. H-E-L-L-A-H-A-N-G-E-R-S. Uh-huh. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Join us every other week for new episodes and insights. In the meantime, check out our blog or contribute to support our mission at liveinthemomentum.com. Special thanks to Eric Heibretter for our theme song and audio production. If you feel like you have a story to share, reach us at info at liveinthemomentum.com.